Your next bike could have a battery. In this podcast episode, we take a deep dive into electric bikes and answer all the questions well I've been asked since owning an electric bike for the last four years, which on a side note is the best all-round bike I've ever had. The rising popularity of electric-assisted bikes has brought a new slew of relatively affordable utility-focused e-bikes. Shifting away from the strictly sport and recreational aspect of cycling, these new e-bikes present themselves as a viable alternative to other modes of transport and allowing people who generally don't cycle to go further, safer and at far less effort. However, it's a massive market of electric bike brands, types of e-bikes, from cargo bikes to mountain bikes to racing bikes. Here with me in studio is Paul Harmon, owner of Electric Escapes, based in Westport, who has been in the electric bike business for 12 years and knows a thing or two about battery-powered bicycles. Paul, you're very welcome along. Thank you. Thanks for dropping into us uh, today. Um, How long have you been in the the electric bike industry? Around 12 years now, so 2010 uh, we started. It's become, it's become a big industry and looks set to grow exponentially in the next few years. What changes have you seen since you first hopped on one of these e-bikes? Amazing changes. <laughs> um, I mean, when we started, the bikes were, or the batteries themselves were the size of suitcases. Mm. And the bikes themselves were just a really kind of awkward looking uh, vehicle. Yeah. And um, one of the, the biggest changes has been that now the bikes look as similar, if not almost identical to a regular, a regular bike. Can you remember the very first electric bike that you actually tried out and what was your reaction to it? What did you think of yeah, them at the well, time? Well, the reason I started a business was because of that. I mean, I liked travelling. It was a time of the recession, 2008, 2010. I liked travelling, went to Germany and just along the Rhine and the Ruhr were e-bikes. And initially I thought, well, they're not for me. I'll give it a go. Um, very reluctantly at the time. Mm. and uh, But once ridden, it was kind of forever smitten and... Uh, continued to, to want that. And I'd always wanted to start my own business, convert um, and join it with travel. And uh, so it is an ideal opportunity. I figured if the Germans were the first out of the recession, this was the way to, this was the way to go. Uh, so it kind of married the business opportunity with my liking of cycling and, and travel and tourism. And tell me a bit about what you do, because you, uh, you take people out on electric bikes um, and show them around the, the west of Ireland, certain parts and uh, tours as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, initially, we looked at the e-bikes uh, as a way of having a multi-generational um, activity. So nan, granddad, mum, dad and the kids, everybody could, could do the same thing. Um, that's changed um, recently in that now the age demographic has plummeted because the bikes have become more... Um, uh, should we say, uh, likable to the younger generation. So that even that the younger generation now taking e-bikes, it's not just the old, the old ones that are taking them. But yeah, we would take people out on tours. Uh, we would take them up into the mountains. Food is a big part of what we do. So we would take the food along. We'd cook mussels up for them on the beach and stuff like that. Um, and the e-bike just makes people able to go further. And obviously the best views at the top of the hill. So it lets them get to the top of the hill mm. to see the see the views and we do one day two day three day three day tours and we've been doing that for around 12 years now now somebody who wants to maybe get buy an e-bike it's 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 such uh, such a big market out there um people ask me all the time when i'm in town on my own electric bike you know how far do they go how long does it take to charge them and what brand should i buy what what are the most common types of electric bikes that people say would would aim for if they were buying the very first one? 
Yeah, it, it's important to see what you're going to use it for. Uh, when I started 10 years ago, the only greenway in Ireland at, at that time was uh, Westport to Ackle, which is 44 kilometres. So I needed a bike that did at least 88 kilometres and a bit more to allow for weight and wind and those kind of things. So I needed a bigger battery, 140 plus kilometres. Mm. Um, and you need to say, if you've only got a four kilometre uh, commute. commute, then you probably don't need a bike with that bigger capacity of a battery. So the most important thing is to think, okay, what do I need as opposed to, well, what what is that bike? Um, what's the spe specification of that bike? So try and think, well, okay, I'm going to use the bike for the commute. I'm going to use it at weekends to travel. I want to do long distance travels. I want to carry uh, passengers. Um, I'm a tradesman. I want to put my tools in the back and carry those in a trailer. All of those things need to be kind of looked at before you then go and look at a bike. And then the other thing is your budget. I mean, e-bikes would go anything from kind of 1500 um, to 15,000, uh, mm. depending what, what you wanted in, in between. So it's very much a case of, okay, what do I need the bike for? What terrain am I going to use it? Am I going to use it in and out of a city with flat roads? Am I going to use it in a mountainous area with lots of hills? And then look at the specification of the bikes and try and marry that, marry mm, that up, mm, is mm. what I'd say. Yeah, very interesting. So that is the most important thing. You know, first of all, determine what you're going to use it for, how long your commutes are going to be, and then you'll be able to narrow it down to the type of bike. Now, there's a lot of, lots of different, I mean, you have your mountain e-bikes, um, cargo e-bikes. I see a lot of them around Galway City, which can carry the kids on the front or on the back of that. They're becoming very popular too, aren't they? They are, and it's something that, um, and pardon the pun, it's not reinventing the wheel. If you go to Denmark or Holland or those places, they've been doing this for the last 20, 30 years, and it's now coming to, to Ireland. The, the other aspect of it is the safety aspect uh, of, um, of the cargo bikes. It used to not be seen as being safer to put, say, your kids in the front of those, those cargo bikes. Mm. They're now very safe, very secure, um, made to certain specifications. And so, yeah, you're seeing a lot more of those car cargo bikes happen. And as I mentioned, even trades, if you go to Holland, Denmark, Germany, the places that traditionally have been cycling for a longer time, mm. they would have got over those initial um, initial worries, initial concerns, initial safety concerns that now they've got over and, and on. It becomes a part of every normal day life. Mm. The kids are taken to school, the shopping is done, all of those things are done. Um, and it, it, it's a case of, I mentioned there was only one greenway in Ireland. Mm. I think if you build it, they'll come. So if you've got cycle lanes and greenways and those kind of things, it becomes safer for the people to use those bikes as well. Mm. Um, so the common questions I would be asked is, well, the obvious one, how far do they go? Now, there's so many variables when it comes to this because you've got different levels, I suppose, of assistance on every bike. And it depends on, you know, if you're going uphill, if you're going against a wind, uh, what level of assistance you're on. But uh, generally, what, what's what's the range of, say, a mid-range electric yeah, bike? The range of e-bikes goes anything from kind of 30 kilometers up to kind of 180 kilometers or so and obviously 180 kilometers you pay for the size of the battery and so you have to remember that the larger the battery the heavier the weight mm. so you're then going two kilos plus on a battery as opposed to half a kilo for mm. for that weight um and you also have to think of other things that you need um now uh, a lot of the bikes would have the similar specification of of how far they can go and um how and what they basically do, but then you've got what bells and whistles you want on that. So the battery can now charge people's phones. There's Bluetooth uh, connections. There's GPS. Mm. There's tracking of the bike. All these things are run off the uh, run off the battery. Um, there's a different grade of lights, a different grade of brakes, uh, hydraulic brakes, cable brakes, all those kind of things. So they need to be looked at again as far as what you need that bike for. 
How often are you going to charge your phone on the bike? Um, how often are you going to ride it at night? Mm. Um, do you really need uh, hydraulic brakes? Are you going to go down a one in 10 hill? Are you going to go up a mountain? Those kind of things. Do you really need um, you know, mountain bike brakes for a city commute of kind of eight kilometers? Mm. So again, look at the specification and as far as say, what distance do I need? And to be honest, it's not your lungs or legs that will give out 180 kilometers on any bike. It's the backside that will give out way before the <laughs> way before the legs or the battery yeah, or anything like that. People don't think about that, really. No, really. you're not going to do 180 kilometers on any bike unless you're in my age. It would be A Eddie, Eddie Merckx or, or Sean Kelly or someone yeah. like that. Yeah. Technology is advancing all the time as well. You've seen this because you go to all of the uh, the the bike shows um, around the world. You know, motors are getting smaller, more compact, more efficient, and lighter. Uh, will that continue? Do you think? In, in the next few years or decades? Yeah, I think it will continue. You mentioned uh, mileage and distance. There was a competition between manufacturers to say, okay, we will make the bike that goes furthest. And then you got to that limit where it's the weight of the battery that really started to turn people off and turn them back. So now it's getting the lightest. So now the e-bikes are getting lighter and lighter. The batteries are becoming more uh, compact and the motors are becoming more compact and efficient. Mm. And that really is helping as well. I think even on a, um, a Tour de France race, uh, someone uh, found an electric motor that yeah. was uh, no bigger than kind of a, a matchbox, had an Archimedes it. screw down the um, down the down tube there. And so th that's how small you can make them if you really want to mm. and depending what you want. Um, some people, like you said I go to the trade shows, I've been to seminars there where people are saying that something like 95% of all bikes within the next 10 years will have some form of electric motorization in them, mm -hmm. which is amazing to think of. And a lot of purists would say, no, that will never happen. Mm. But um, let's see. Let's see. So generally there's two types of motors, isn't there, at least that I know of. There's the one that's um, centrally located where the, where the crank is, that where the pedal is attached to. And then you have um, an e-bike motor, which is built into the rear wheel. What's the difference? What's what's the best? Is there a best or is yeah, it just it, different applications? It is different applications. Uh, my uh, feeling would be that the central hub would be uh, the best as far as uh, balance um, because your centre of gravity is under your backside in the centre of the bike. Mm. The centre of gravity with the weight of the motor on the rear wheel at speed downhills ca can cause wheel wobble. And the wheel uh, the motor on the front wheel as well there's sometimes a delayed reaction time and you're pulled so if the motor is on the front wheel you're pulled and if the motor is on the back wheel you're pushed but the motor on the in the middle it reacts much quicker and more um it's a better feeling of, of riding more kind a bike. Of linear it, yeah it? it's a more natural feel in that it reacts quicker you're not pulled you're not pushed but as you react the bike reacts with you mm. so my personal preference would be a central a central mm. motor so I know it's a very broad question, but how fast do they go? Because I've been asked this all the time. How fast do they go? And, and what's the laws? Is there, are there laws in Ireland govern, governing these motors and electric bikes? Yeah, um, 15 miles an hour uh, is, the, is the, the, what the bikes are limited to. 15 or 50? 15. 15. Is, yeah, is what they're limited to. So I think that works out. You might correct me, some of your listeners. 20, I think it's 25 kilometres yeah, an hour. Isn't 25 kilometres an hour. And those, uh, those are restricted uh, for a purpose. That if they go over that, they're considered to be a moped. Now, there are some speed pedelecs that can do 45 kilometers an hour. Um, and with that, you need to look at uh, getting insurance. And in Europe now, in Germany, uh, when we were importing the bikes there, you actually had a license plate on the back similar to a moped because those things would go as fast as a moped. Mm. Now, I know some people out there will probably be saying, well, I can, fast, I can cycle that fast without a motor. But this is assisted. 
So in Ireland, um, e-bikes should not have a throttle. So there should be no push-button start and no twisting of a throttle. That Those bikes are illegal. It must be pedal-assisted. So it's assisted by the rider. So when you pedal, the bike goes. It shouldn't be sitting on the saddle and just press the button, mm. which is another question I'm asked. Do I have to pedal? And the unfortunate answer is yes, yes, you do have to pedal. And when you hit that 25 kilometres an hour and you go above that, what happens then? The yeah. motor just stops. No, it doesn't just stop. Uh, it, the, the assistance just eases off. Um, and different brands will ease that off differently. And the software involved in that and the programming of that now uh, makes it um, um, possible for the rider to arrange that bike and set up that bike for his own personal uh, preferences. Okay, so, um, you know, I don't want to really go down the road of, of brands because people ask me that question as well. What's the best brand to buy? Um I guess maybe a brand that have been uh, attached to e-bikes for for many years. Do you have any particular brands in mind that would be better than the others or more reliable? Yeah, um, I would say that uh, probably five, six years ago, the German brands, Ries and Muller, uh, Mm. these kind of guys uh, were probably ahead of the the game. Mm. What's happened now is um, other brands, um, uh, High Bike, Trek, Giant, these kind of guys have really, really caught up. Um, the Chinese bikes, people say, oh, um, I wouldn't necessarily buy a bike f- from China. Uh, bear in mind that 99% of all bikes come from China. So the components are made there. Everything is there. So it's really designed and um, put together, managed and in Europe. Mm-hmm. So if you look at European brands, just look at how long those companies have been going. Some have been going for 100 years or more. Uh, making bikes and look at the backup uh, the service backup is really important so if you're looking at buying any brand in any bike shop and basically say to them okay what is the warranty of this bike what does the warranty cover what happens when it's out of warranty mm. um, how can you can you recommend customers that have had bikes for longer than that what's their experience on them etc etc mm. so just do your homework um, and what I'd say is a lot of people have um, told me that they've bought bikes online and are disappointed and I would say, yes, I agree with that. Why didn't you get out and ride it? Because you need to get out and ride those bikes. And a good bike shop and good manufacturer will let you road test those bikes. As I said, some of those bikes, um, High Bike, Grease and Muller, uh, Creedler, Kalkoff, those kind of brands, they go from two and a half to kind of seven and a half thousand euros. So if you're spending as much as you would on a small car, mm. then you need to be 100% sure that you're comfortable on that bike. It is what it is. And I've had people buy bikes from bike shops and try and return them within a month because it wasn't doing what it said on the tin. Mm. Um, and the manufacturers would have said what it did on the tin and it might have just been misinterpreted by the customer themselves because nine out of ten times it's doing exactly what it said, but it wasn't test-driven. Mm. It was just bought online, bought straight from the shop, not test-driven, out the box, assembled and taken home. So whatever brand is chosen, just look at those things, the warranty, the backup, the time the company's been in existence, its reputation um, and its its customer service and uh, and go from there. Maintenance, of course, is one thing um, that uh, I, I guess you, every so often you need to get an e-bike service like uh, like a regular bike. But, you know, we're mixing the mechanics of normal bike servicing to with the electronics of the motor end of things. Um, is it a specialist job to, to service an e-bike? Um, it is a specialist job, but 
a lot of, um, so we say, more traditional bike shops are a bit reluctant to test uh, or, or to maintain mm. any e-bike when it comes into the shop. Yeah. Now, if you look at the motor separate, the display separate, the battery separate, sensor separate, those mm. are the four things that really are the main four things electrically that they don't need to touch. But a bicycle shop is more than able to do hydraulic brakes, cable brakes, repair the puncture, repair the cogs and the wheels and chains and things like that. So, but when it does come to the electric uh, side of it, um, it is a specialist job. Uh, for example, I'm Bosch authorized and I have to take certain training to do that. We get a license number for that, where we get authorized parts for that. So, um, you have to go through the relevant training to be able to do that uh, e-bike repair. If it's under warranty, again, you need to go to the dealer, if it's an authorized dealer, to get that warranty authorized and carry out that work. Mm. Um, and if it's out of warranty, then uh, you have to negotiate with that dealer and um, and, and go from there. But it, it is a specialised job on the electrics, but not on the mechanical side of a bike. It's just a regular bike. So once your local mechanic gets over the fear of the motor coming into the shop and <laughs> yeah. say to him, don't touch that, yeah. but I've got um, the, the brakes need doing, the gears need trimming, um, the, the saddle needs whatever, but uh, they should be able to do that, no problem at all. But the electric motors themselves, are they reliable? Do they need maintenance or service often or what You know, what can go, what can go wrong with them? The, if you talk to any manufacturers, um, and as I said, I'm going over to, uh, to, to Eurobike in, in, in the next month or so, you talk to the manufacturers there, the life cycle of an e-bike is around seven years, they say, before you should probably renew, renew that. Mm. So that means the lifespan of that particular motor, that generation, that, um, that display, that software is around seven or eight years. So when you're buying an e-bike, look at that as a lifespan of it. The frames will probably last forever, but the mechanical side and the electric parts, probably at seven, eight years. That's what the manufacturers say. Um, they normally get a warranty of two years, sometimes mm. three years in those parts. That was the same on mine. For yeah. example, Bosch, um, Bosch, Yamaha, those kind of guys, Shimano, um, those kind of guys would offer a two or three year warranty mm. with that. Um, and so therefore it's repaired under warranty and there's no problem. But even when out of warranty, companies like um, Bosch, for example, would have um, special packs where the uh, bearings are removed and put in again by specialized people that would be able to do that. And so there's that backup of a larger company and you may pay initially a little bit more for your bike. But after two years, if something happens to that motor and it's out of warranty and needs to be fixed, at least you know you're going to be able to get those parts and they're reliable parts. Mm. And it's not a new uh, company or motor coming into the... And I guess, you know, if you do have it for six, seven, eight years and the the motor or the battery has run its course, you, you can replace it with a new motor rather than forking out for a complete new bike as well, I, I presume. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. I mean, I, I refurbish the motors and we, we sell new motors. And uh, so it'd be replacing those parts on the motor. So it gives the bike a new lease of life. Um, the batteries being lithium, again, kind of um, uh, three, four years, five years, probably go down to 80% of its capacity. Mm. Doesn't mean it's run out. It just means instead of getting 140 kilometers, you're now only going to get 100. Mm -hmm. um, so it's up to you then. And what I'd say is if you can factor that in the same as you would a car, if you factor that into the fact that, okay, in four or five years' time, I might have to get a new battery. I know it's easy to say, put, say, 20 euros a week away or something to yeah. allow for that. Then you can replace that battery to, yeah. uh, to do that. And again, you get a new lease of life with on that. But there's only most of the components are replaceable. Most of them are able to be refurbished. So you've options out there, wherever you are, if you're in Dublin, Cork or Galway. Most, um, most areas would have someone and some specialist who would be doing that for you. Mm. 
I often compare uh, if somebody asks me, you know, how long does the motor last or how long does the battery last? I normally, I, I almost compare it to your mobile phone or your smartphone in your pocket. If you're using it all day long, you, you'll run it, you'll run the battery dry and then it takes maybe two, two and a half hours to, to recharge. Very similar really with the e-bikes. It is, and uh, a lot, um, a lot of the diff- one of the main differences now in the maintaining of the bikes is that instead of being a bike mechanic as opposed to the mechanical side of it, we've now got diagnostic kits and become computer wizards. So we would plug the computer into the bike, and we'd be able to tell how many miles you've done and how many things. So when people come and say, "Oh, I haven't done too many miles on this bike," I can't. I don't know why it's not working. Yeah. I don't know why it's creaking or making that noise. We can plug it in and say, "Well, actually, you've done ten thousand kilometres." You know, and oh, it wasn't me. Well, someone has kind of come <laughs> yeah, 10,000 yeah. kilometers that way. So we can tell those things. Yeah. Um, and on the software, we can adjust for that. You know, um, we can, as I said, um, adjust it and make it uh, specific to the person's needs or um, even adjust it to make sure that uh, it, the longevity of the motor continues. For and I guess even like a computer, the, the software can be updated every so often and that can be done by plugging the, the motor into the computer as well. Is that true? Yeah, we send um, the people that are able and capable. Uh, we even send the software upgrades. We'd get upgrades through uh, quite regularly. Mm. Um, and again, that's part of the license uh, that Bosch have. You have to be licensed to have that. So we would get the software update through and then be able to pass that on to our customers. Mm. Um, sometimes that's charged by bike guys, um, 20 euros or so for that download. And sometimes that's free. You'll have to negotiate, negotiate that with your local bike kind mm. of dealer. Uh, depending kind of what they want to do and how good they feel. But yeah, the, the software and upgrades exactly like um, exactly like the phone. And in fact, a lot of the bike manufacturers now will have the phone as an integral part of the e-bike. It will give you on the app uh, where the battery's life is, where the motor is, uh, where you've been, what you've done, what kind of cadence you've cycled, what kind of gradients you've been up. Uh, and those kind of things. Yeah, so you can almost use the, your phone as, a, as the computer for the bike as well as being able to check a lot of the basic diagnostics. Yeah, and, and one of the things that is happening now is that people are asking, you mentioned speed, as far as, well, can I, um, can I unlock that uh, restriction? Mm. Um, the answer is yes, and if you go online, you can find some um, dongles and things to plug into your bike to make it faster. All I can say is now that Bosch, uh, on the new generation of bikes, are aware that that happens, and they can turn that off remotely. Mm. So you could be cycling along one day, your motor turned off, you take it to your dealer and say it's broken. Okay. And the, the dealer will then get a code up saying error code knows exactly what it is. You've put a bad ass or, or bad um, whatever um, dongle you're going to buy there onto the bike mm. to increase the speed. And he knows what's done. Even if you take it off before you take it back to the dealer, you'll be aware and know that you've done that. And what that does then is jeopardizes the warranty. Yes, that's uh, what I was so going to warranty, ask. Even with yeah. the older um, motors, they, they would have a fair idea if it's only five months old and it's already worn out that, you know, it's, it's probably been de-restricted or whatever and they can, the, the warranty can be voided or if the motor has been opened in any yeah. way. Yeah. Mm. And one of the giveaways on that is the tension of the, on the chain and often the back wheel will come forward a little bit where the tension and, and has been on say ninth gear and high torque or turbo, whatever the highest uh, grade is or assistance is there constantly. Mm. So from starting at the lights to going up the hills to down the hills to around the bend, just kept in that one gear and high boost all of the time. And giveaways would be that the chain would be extra strained. Sometimes the wheel moves where the extra uh, torque has been put on. Well, Paul, thank you very much for enlightening us on uh, electric bikes. I know you have your own company um, based out of Westport. What, you have an email address and uh, website. Yep, electricescapes.ie. Electricescapes.ie. Yes. 
Thank you very much. Paul Harmon for dropping into us today. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much, Daniel.